Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Standard Definition, the retro nostalgia podcast here on the Boss Rush Network. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Deering, and alongside me for this very special episode is none other than the joy of EXP cast, Stoy Jovich. Man, I was really trying all day to think of like a really good Raiders of the Lost Ark quote to follow that up with, but I, mm-hmm. yep. I mean, you could just pull out Hi, a gun and shoot me. That, I, I could do that. Mm. Also joining us, very, very, very special guest, of a man that is near and dear to my heart, is the man, the myth, the legend, now with facial hair, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can do this now. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Matthew Keel. Hello, Corey Matt. Corey Deering, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm oddly, like, I feel like we've just gotten in a time machine and went back in time, like, yeah. three years. Yeah, the only, the only difference is, like, I'm ups- I've moved a floor in my house. Uh, I actually have a PC now, yeah. and uh, the records are basically gone. You get board games. Why are and, your records uh, gone? That, that no. Well, no, they're they're just downstairs. Look, I'm not we, moving that shit up. We don't. That shit's heavy. We don't podcast <laughs> for this long, and all of a sudden you have facial hair. There's no records. <laughs> you have an office. Bagels. Sounds like you haven't been inviting him on in a long time. Bagel, bagels. Bagels still here, so I guess that's oh a, yeah, that's ba- a bagels still around. Consistent. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, he so. still sounds like Chewbacca and Jar Jar Binks had a love child too. So yeah, you know. <laughs> well, that's fair. Uh, I'm still married to Reba. She's still here. Yeah, Reba's <laughs> like, still here. That's a good uh, <laughs> consistent as well. Yes, we are. We are. We are exactly seven days from our five year anniversary. So Ooh. our five year dating anniversary. Wow! Congratulations. We, we just celebrated our eight year dating anniversary three days ago so as of this nice so nice uh well matt you how do i want to put this you're kind of the i'm the new guy here yeah you're the new guy here so and you do a bunch of stuff uh yes you're not just here to 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 i mean you are just here to hang out but you do stuff you 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 do things why don't you tell people what you do so people can you follow do. what you do. Uh, what do what do I well? I mean, is what, what don't I you do, do worth? Fo- uh, well, <laughs> anything good except for except for my job. I'm an I'm a radiologic technologist. And I do take that pretty seriously. But uh, my name is Matthew Keel. You could follow me at Infinite Underscore Rewind on Twitter. I host three podcasts. One about video games called Story Route Zero with my buddy Moose, my buddy Jason, and my buddy Michaela. Uh, the other, the other two, uh, the music one is called Trivial Merit. My friend Caroline, who also writes for Popular Popular Mechanics, uh, she and I come together every couple of weeks, uh, pick a band or a musical style, and we make an eight-song playlist to get us from a po- or a negative mood to a positive mood, and the extremes to each mood are controlled by dice rolls. So, uh, so. Tune in for that. That's actually starting up before the end of January. I had uh, some personal stuff happen over the holidays, so it's kind of pushed a, a lot um, back. But finally, the podcast I do on film 
uh, my friend Jess and I basically pick a movie uh, and we watch that within two weeks and we come back and we talk about it. Uh, we also watch a whole bunch of other stuff and talk about that as well. Uh, but we pick one movie for the show and each uh, the Story Route Zero, the our first we just recorded our first episode of 2022 that should be up before the end of this week. And uh, yeah, I usually put up a little preview of the other shows, and I'll start doing that for Story Route Zero on my Twitter feed. So infinite underscore rewind, that's where to be if you're looking for me. Yeah. Uh, well, Matt, I've missed you. I hope you, you too, man. I hope you come around more often than just, you know, once every three years, like a like a werewolf or a vampire or something. I don't know. I don't or know. the IRS. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep all my episodes for seven years. So when you come audit me, I can. Just... <laughs> uh, well, you think about it. We're like, what? Uh, we started. This is the this is your the first year of Nerds Gone Rogue expires by that. I know by that logic this year. I know twenty fifteen. <laughs> I think we started throwing that show around, and then uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, who knew? Yeah. It, anyways, we we're not here for our well, we are here for nostalgia, I guess, but not yeah. not that kind of nostalgia. Not, we not <laughs> seven years nostalgia. We're yeah. talking forty that's, years nostalgia. That's that's yeah. that's Boss Rush podcast tomorrow. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is standard definition, the retro nostalgia podcast here on the Boss Rush Network, where each and every Sunday we come together with our friends from around the internet to talk about the games, movies, shows, and other topics that make us nostalgic. You can support us and get the show two weeks early by heading over to Patreon, patreon.com slash boss rush network for just one dollar or subscribe on free feeds and you can get it two weeks later if you listen on apple Podcasts or spotify please leave us a five-star review it's much appreciated you can catch all of our content on our youtube channel or on bossrush.net. remember we're doing a full mcu rewatch and review as well so you should check that out oh uh, my god yeah i know we're on iron man too Okay, we still got a ways to go. Yeah, we're also doing a Disney animated feature in review. Oof. We're on Pinocchio. What's that, third one? Second. <laughs> Stephanie's hosting that. And I thought Snow White was the first. Yeah. Fantasia was second, I nope, thought. Nope, Pinocchio came out in June, and Fantasia came out in November of 1940. Oh, my bad. Yeah. I only know that because I have the list sitting right in front of me. Sure, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, would have assumed, I would have assumed you did your research on that one. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Stephanie's hosting that, which is pretty exciting. She did very well on her first episode of Snow White. So. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, merch store. There's gonna so that we're doing Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I'm announcing here on this episode that the Indiana Jones Standard Definition logo shirt is now available Sweet. on the store. You can also get the standard definition Marvel logo as well. All right, let's talk about nice. our featured film of tonight's episode, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <clears throat> Technically just called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, before the Indiana Jones uh, tag. Yeah, well, you know, George Lucas before likes to change. Before they sequelized it to death, <laughs> am I right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, it's not, no Star Wars. That's true. So, no, no special edition here, you know. Well, I don't think it was intended to be anything 
more than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like I think yeah. it was just supposed to be a one-off. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was actually Steven Spielberg who wanted to do more with the character, so they ended up doing more. Mm-hmm. With right. It. Uh, so th- the synopsis of the movie Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark takes place in 1936. We meet an archaeology professor named Indiana Jones in the jungles of South America no, as he searches. Not his real name. You do- it's not revealed until the Last Crusade, which we will get to in like a month. Okay. Okay. Fine. Relax. Henry fine. Jones. Sorry, Jr. I'm jumping the gun. You name the dog Indiana. <laughs> By the way, Sean named after the dog. Sean, Con- Sean Connery, uh, Indiana Jones lines was like a staple of our old podcast. So yes, <laughs> we yes. revert to that sometime in this episode. We must go to Berlin. <laughs> I wrote it in my diary oh. so I wouldn't have to remember. Oh, thank God! It's fake. See, you can tell with the cross section. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't it. give the diary to Marcus, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Marcus. Marcus gets lost in his own museum. <laughs> we named the dog Indiana. Uh, uh, Indiana Jones is in the jungle of South America as he searches for the gold, a golden statue. Unfortunately, he sets off a deadly trap in the process, but miraculously escapes. Back at his university, Jones hears from the museum curator named Marcus Brody about a biblical artifact called the Ark of the Covenant. He says uh, it holds the key to human existence. Jones heads off to foreign places such as Nepal and Egypt to find the artifact. However, his ever-present enemy, Rene Belloc, and a flock of Nazis are in hot pursuit of it, too. Ah, they call him Belosh. (laughs) Rene Bellock and a flock of Nazis is my favorite 80s neo-Nazi band. <laughs> it's interesting because um, the way they talk about, like in the in the initial setup when Marcus Brody tells them about the Ark of the Covenant and they do their research, I think they were actually uh, approached by the OSS at the time because the OSS were was like the CIA uh, pre-World War II, and right. they were investigating into what Hitler is doing because Hitler was like, you know, what was a master, a nut on the subject of the occult. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. So like, they're wondering like, why is he do, doing all this digging in uh, Northern Africa and stuff? And uh, he wants Indiana Jones to go there to find out what it is. So, yeah, man. So uh, this movie had a budget of $20 million, which is a lot of money in 1981 and it's box office total was three hundred eighty-nine point nine million dollars. So I would, I, it's it's safe to say that this was a bona fide hit. I'll say, yes. yeah. Other notable films and entertainment in nineteen eighty-one. Uh, For your eyes only, 007 came out that year. The Evil Dead, Fox and the Hound, Clash of the Titans, Mad Max Two, Escape from New York, Halloween Two, Porky's, Endless Love. Those were the big, big films that year. Uh, Games. Clash of the Titans, one right. of Harryhausen's last films, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I didn't realize Evil Dead was that old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Evil Dead's. Yeah. 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 Uh, video games that came out that year, pretty important ones Donkey Kong, Frogger, Miss mm-hmm. Pac Man, Kaboom, one of my personal favorites. Yes. 
uh, Zork to Corey's origin story. <laughs> yeah, Kaboom is literally my video game origin story. Uh, Zork two and Ultima one all came out that year. See, now, I did not realize Ultima was that old. I thought it, I thought we we uh, I thought we were still a couple years away from it. Yeah, uh, I I uh, fact checked that because I thought it was newer than that too, but mm-hmm. apparently it was. Uh, big pop culture events that year. Uh, Lady Diana married Prince Charles. It's a big, uh, big thing, I suppose. It's a, it's a huge feel-good event when the royalty gets married because you know we got to celebrate the people who a long, long time ago just said they were better than everyone else, and someone believed them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some say they still do that. Uh, oh yeah, they totally do. <laughs> Space Shuttle Columbia takes its historic first mission to space with two astronauts. And the DeLorean, the famous vehicle from Back to the Future, also debuted in 1981. Uh, So, yeah. There's also one other notable event that happened that year. What? Stoy was born. Yes, I was born. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) I'm a 79 baby. (laughs) Um, All right, so... Overall, overall thoughts on Raiders of the Lost Ark. I, this was the first time I sat down and seriously watched this movie in a long time. You know, I, I always have Indiana Jones on in the background while I'm working on stuff or doing other things because it's just one of those series yeah. that I like to have on in the background because it's fun and not really pay attention to. This movie's a lot better than I actually remember it being. Like, I mean, I know it was, oh, yeah. I know it was good, and I knew it did a lot, obviously for action films and stuff but like man this movie's good yes it's yes it's it's a a ride i I keep for i always anytime i watch any of these movies with the exception of uh the second one i forget just how much fun they really are Mm -hmm. uh this one in particular it doesn't it kind of just grabs for your jugular and doesn't really let you go there aren't very many quiet moments and the quiet moments you get are either tense or nervous. Yeah. And uh, and while the connotation of that could be negative, uh, it's not here. I don't think any of this is – there's not really a, a – there's not a whole lot of negativity in this, in this film. Um, well, I think that speaks it, to Steven Spielberg's – uh, like directing style a bit is that he can make the most mundane scenes mm-hmm. be ripe with, you know, character development or, you know, like a, a quiet scene of no talking for like two minutes. And that really shows you like what that character is about or, you know, what that, I mean, even like what that character's feeling at the time. Like I, I, he learned that as a very, very early on, because obviously we know his Steven Spielberg's biggest uh, first real hit was Jaws, and then obviously he moved on to Raiders. I think pretty much was his next big hit after after that movie. Mm-hmm. Like he had a couple. But of, yeah, I don't think it's bad at all. Between, yeah. I, I like. Yeah, I, I don't think it was bad. Um, like those are bad things of like even like when there's nothing going on or not in a lot of action or whatever. Like I think it's you know it's nice, quiet, relaxing moments up until the next big uh, big thing. Yeah, I mean, and his use of. I mean, uh, I. Is Lucas the screenwriter here? I forget. Yeah, he was the screenwriter. Okay. The, the I feel like I feel like, 
Okay. The actually, use of comic timing here. Actually, Lawrence Kasdan was the uh, screenwriter based on a story mock-up by George Lucas. That's what oh, this is. okay. That makes more sense then. I guess that makes um, more but, sense, yeah, because I think it was the same with Star Wars even. Yeah. Because Ka- because Kasdan would use a lot of this in uh, a lot of this type of comic timing in the right stuff, which is 100% not a comedy, but uh, th- there are plenty of funny moments in it. Um, and yeah, I think the I think the the use of comedy here is done to a to a startling degree, a very adept degree, even after repeated viewings and things that have sort of sunk into popular culture, you know, just the lexicon around sci-fi, fantasy, action, all of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, for a long time, I said that Raiders was actually kind of maybe one of my least favorite of the movies. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Last Crusade is still my favorite. I still think Last Crusade sure. is the best movie. I, you know, we, Matt, we've been saying that for years about how yeah. Last Crusade. La- is just... Last Last Crusade. I mean, you, you could you could say what you want about what's best, but I will always prefer to watch Last Crusade over any of the others at, mm-hmm. on any given day. Yeah, I have a tough time between the two because I, I it's I mean, Tomb, uh, well, Temple of Doom. You know, albeit the most different one, had a lot of unique properties in it and a lot of mm-hmm. unique uh, storytelling uh, moments. A lot more comedic, I think, than the other two. Right. But I, I think it still stands out in its own. It's like still a great movie. But yeah, I'm I'm torn between which one I like better, Raiders or Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, after rewatching this, I can I think I can safely say that this is a close second uh, for sure. I just forgot how <laughs> how awesome of a character uh marion is really oh yeah she's awesome like really awesome in this movie Mm -hmm. and like how how important she feels to to just the overall i guess lore of indiana jones and it made me think like i'm really gonna miss her in the next two movies because she's just so great and and she's she's his equal in a lot of ways in this movie which we missed her in crystal skull hmm Hmm. We'll get there. I Matt and I. Yeah, let's, I think, not, let's not let's let's not sully this. Sorry, one yet. sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm I'm on record saying that Crystal Skull is a totally watchable movie until like the last oh, like five minutes. I mean, well, see, here's the thing. Like, so like, and I, I'm, so predominantly video games are talked about on this network. Yes, I think we can we can yeah. we can say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so where do y'all stand with Uncharted? I know Corey loves Tomb Raider. Yeah, I love Uncharted. Okay, so none of those none of those franchises are really possible without Indiana Jones. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. And with Crystal Skull ending the way it does, it just basically like that gives the Uncharted its answer every time. It's just aliens every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially Uncharted Three. <laughs> like um, it's just aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually. Well, I mean, we could go into a long discussion, I guess, about the the, the reasoning because there is a reason why uh, Crystal Skull was written the way it was because it was a product of its time in the fifties. Oh sure, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, no, I, going I back mean, to yeah, there's yeah, yeah. I just didn't like that 
we had this really strong independent Marion mm-hmm. in Raiders. She was like went out on her own, running yeah. her own bar in Nepal out in the middle of nowhere. She you know, take and no guff from anybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, she was even though she was kidnapped, she was still fighting. At the end, she was fighting. I mean, she fought throughout that whole movie. And then we got this like weak little character in Crystal Skull that I'm like, what'd you do to Marion? What'd you do to her? <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, even even the whole like bar scene or when she's kidnapped and trying to escape and trying to pull the drinking game on uh uh uh, what's his name? Belloc and like, Belloc. yeah, it, it's like it's like that. She does so many cool things in this movie that's just like, man, I I wish she was in this entire series. I wish she was like, I mean, as much as don't get me wrong, as much as I like Short Round and stuff in the next movie, which I know Temple of Doom technically takes place before Raiders of the Lost Ark, but uh, mm-hmm. man, Marion is missed. Yes, and I I I always wondered why she never did the other two movies. I didn't. I didn't look it up, but I want to know why she didn't do the other two movies. Um, I think Karen Allen just became sought after in Hollywood. I think that was just it. Because I don't remember. I don't remember what her career was prior to Lost Ark. But I know, like in the eighties, she, she had like a decent. She had a decent amount of work. And it also. It also could be that. Lucas and Spielberg just didn't write for that character too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to say loosely uh, James Bond had an influence because you had to have a different new fresh femme fatale in every movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, so it was kind of like a product of the whole James Bond series where there were, there were good femme fatales in each movie on its own, on their own. But, you know, it was like a different one in each one uh, mm-hmm. with the exception of the more recent ones where some of them returned, but it was, it was the same with this one. Obviously I don't know if Marion would have fit in the story of last crusade. Um, it would have been interesting, yeah. but I think it would have changed the story almost too much. Yeah. I mean, it really would have played up the family drama angle mm-hmm. of last crusade. Because, yeah. Right. I mean, we all, we all like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how your respective family dynamics are, but my, my wife is a pretty good hype person for me. And when my parents make, would make me feel a little bit down, like, she'll be the one to be like, no, no, you're better than that. Uh, so I could see a lot of that happening with Marion in the last crusade. And I would actually, I actually kind of want that. Release the Snyder cut of that movie, please. <laughs> the the four-hour black and white version of it. <laughs> With two hours of uncut Marion footage. That'd be yeah. great. Awesome. They're just sitting there. Yep. <laughs> it's oh, yeah, like, no, but it's just... Out of the vault. No, it's just the, the two hours her and that guy are sitting there drinking. That's literally the scene of it. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, this, this, this movie's great uh obviously directed by steven spielberg who just is masterful at these types of movies i like the more like man you just think of steven spielberg's resume too like even after this you know like indiana jones (laughs) et uh jurassic park like it's just man this guy 
He's going places. Yeah. I have a feeling he's important. <laughs> I feel like he's going to have a major hit on his his yeah. his future. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about some of the the characters and kind of Matt. What we kind of do on the show, we don't really go through the plot. We just kind of talk about the characters and we go by character sure. and kind of just talk about the moments that they're in and our favorite moments with these characters and how they interact with each other and stuff. Uh, Indiana Jones, obviously played by Harrison Ford. Uh, you may know him, you know, little actor named yeah. Harrison Ford. Han uh, Solo. Yeah. Han Solo. Uh, it's actually a Han Solo origin story. Everybody. Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, except we did get that movie. That was, yes. Uh, He's man. I watched this movie and like I, I understand that this movie was in the eighties and like acting wasn't as good as it seems now in a lot of cases or you know just the way it's filmed or anything. But he's clearly just like a a three steps above everybody else in this movie at least. Oh yeah, hundred percent. He's so oh, good. Yeah. His mannerisms and his like like there's the one point when he get. Uh, is down in the in the in the pit of snakes when they're like staring down at him and he's like laughing out loud and then he turns his head and he's like oh, son of a bitch you know like yeah. just like yeah. like there's little stuff like that throughout the entire movie that just makes him just stand out so much in this movie mm-hmm. uh, he's he like and and you know people say like oh well you can just recast Indiana Jones and make him a James Bond style character now and it's like i think part of that's true but also you have to you need a very specific person that can almost mimic the way that harrison ford plays the character you know like you yeah. know i i will admit and not to bring this up but the guy that played solo mm-hmm. the guy that played han solo in the solo movie uh he i forget his name he did a he did a decent job you know, of really trying to copy his mannerisms and mm-hmm. his his speech patterns. Um, Alden Ironrake. Like, I could see Harrison Ford mannerisms in him. Like, I was like, oh, well, he's, he's trying to pull it off. I'd, mm-hmm. You know, whether it's good or not, it's a topic for another story. But, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, just how even in the most serious of circumstances, he's got this kind of, like, sly comment or there's just little, like, you know, smart ass attitude about things or whatever. And, um, yeah, it's just, it, especially when he's in trouble, like he's, he'll like kind of like deflect trouble. Like, it's just like, like the scene where like he busts that guy out of the truck mm-hmm. and like, I don't know, like, what was it? Some guy falls on the roof of the truck mm-hmm. onto the hood and then falls off. And then he just laughs at the other guy who he was just fighting with. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, let's go back to fighting. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like those little moments is just like so cool. Like, yeah. It, that like I don't I don't think anybody else can pull that off. Yeah. Or even the scene where in, in the marketplace where the the big story around that scene was he was so sick and they had been filming all day and he was mm-hmm. supposed to get in this huge brawl with the guy and he just pulls out his gun and shoots him. And like that yeah. was a that was a totally a mat, uh, ad lib scene. Right. And he, mm-hmm. it, it just worked. It was so good. You know, it just yeah. it yeah. just worked. It was so good. Can you can you imagine? We were this close to having Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. God, I, I shudder to think about that. I know. Gosh, that would have been. He up. didn't think it, he didn't think it would be a good because uh, I think he was like starting Magnum PI or something like that. Yeah, and he put like... all his he put all his chips in that basket. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, 
It worked out for I mean, him, I guess. But they became icons for for different reasons, and they they are still icons for those reasons today. Could you oh, imagine yeah. Indi- Indiana Jones with a Tom Selleck mustache? Was it well, Tom Selleck was something? He was some Indiana Jones ripoff in the eighties. What was it? I don't remember. Uh, was it not Magnum PI? No, it was something <laughs> else. I'd have to. Are you sure? Um, yeah, well, I'm pretty it, sure. So before, I mean, in fact, look that up, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little riffing here because I think the thing, what people don't realize about Harrison Ford is his first role is not star wars Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was he had done movies for accomplished directors prior to getting involved with the spielberg george lucas crew um i mean francis ford coppola he was in the conversation he was also in american graffiti with with, uh with george lucas he he was a he was a very good actor in things that he did he i mean granted you know i remember him from michelangelo antonioni's uh zarbriski point but i don't expect everybody to remember that ah that film that yeah exactly uh i remember uh uh him in jacques demy's first american film called the model shop and he was i mean was he 100% right for those roles? Not necessarily. Uh, he was still very young and still, you know, he still had ways to go. By the time he's in Apocalypse Now for Francis Ford Coppola, like, it's clear that the, he's learning a craft to take control of a scene in a way that he does. Now, he's not a strong character in Apocalypse Now by any by any stretch. But the way that he plays the character that he plays... He's clearly taking it seriously. He clearly wants wants to bring, uh, he re- he really want cr- clearly wants to bring his craft forward, um, and I think, you know, being the being the the brawny comic relief in Star Wars definitely showed that he could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I while we can talk about whether or not Tom Selleck was uh, was could be a good Indiana Jones, I don't think. You, I don't think anybody but Ford at the time could have played Han Solo the way he did. Agree. Yeah. Um, now, does that mean Han Solo was a very difficult character to play? No, but I just think Harrison Ford will always be Han Solo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I, I just yeah. think there's really no other way around that. And, you know, in Harrison Ford, the way he acts and the way he's sort of carried his acting throughout his career from the Clancy films that he was in uh, versus, you know, Star Wars, um, even the the quiet dramas like Peter Weir's uh, Witness, uh, he's definitely a callback to older Hollywood in a way. Um, I would say like, you know, more of a kind of a, I would say a less nuanced like Paul Newman or Robert Redford um, maybe even um, drawing a blank probably not as lumbering as John Wayne but definitely that kind of screen presence I think that's I mean that was carried on by Russell Crowe for a time uh, so yeah there's a there's a tradition of of actors like Harrison Ford in Hollywood. Uh, and just films as a whole, I think uh, Anthony Quinn 
did that a lot of, did that well i mean rock hudson did it well too but yeah uh there there's always going to be room for actors like ford and ford is probably one of the best of those in american cinema history for sure yeah yeah he's uh definitely iconic in that role and and i am going to be when he when I'm assuming Indiana Jones 5 is going to be his last hurrah as this character as well, right? I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, at least. <laughs> I mean, no offense to him, but, like, I don't know. I kind of want to go back, right? Go go back to him fighting Nazis and not during, like, the Cold War or anything. But, like, I it's going to be... I only want him to continue doing it if he turns into Riggs from Lethal Weapon where he just goes, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we could probably have that discussion. Of who could play? Who would play Indiana Jones after Harrison Ford retires? But we can. I think we can save that for maybe the end of this. It's an uh, easy answer. No one. End yes. it. End the series. Yeah. That's it. If we if they'd ended it with Last Crusade and just left it alone, we would have been mm-hmm. fine. I would have been fine. Yeah. Topic for another day. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Marion Ravenwood uh, is played very capably by Karen Allen. Uh, Absolutely rules. Gosh, dude. Yep. The, when that opening scene with her in it, like where she's out drinking the guy and then she like slaps uh, Indiana Jones when he walks in, right? And oh, she doesn't slap him. That's a full That's a full That's, a, that's a full, that's that's a full, a full cross, man. punch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, she I hold- learned to hit you in the last 12 years. <laughs> she definitely like stands up to him and you can clearly see they have some sort of romantic history. Uh, and yeah, a little bit sketchy if you do the math. Yeah. Well, a little bit sketch, but that's okay. You know, you know, to each their own. No, that's not yeah. good. That's not. Hmm. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, so I mean, they didn't, you know, that was one of those things. They didn't have to go into detail. You knew there was strife between those two, and there was a prior romantic relationship, and they just ended it with just that conversation yeah. of her literally ending it with, this is my place, get out, yeah. you know? And it's yeah. like, okay, all right, there's obviously a problem here, so, you know, yeah. woo. Yeah, well, I mean, they they kind of hint at it in this movie, uh, but her father was his mentor. Uh, yeah. And, and yes. so that's kind of where that romantic relationship comes from. Uh, but the, I think the whole bar scene with her is so good. Like her mm-hmm. kind of standing up to the Nazis when they walk in and her kind of defending the bar. And then obviously the bar burns down and she goes with Indy. But I just think the bar scene is just probably the best, one of the best scenes in the entire movie for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously when they get to Egypt and she escapes the truck blow the truck that's blown up well, she's kind of kidnapped, but like that whole scene too, where Indiana, Indiana Jones feels bad because he thinks she's dead and you know, he's kind of doing that whole thing. So heartbroken Indy. Yeah. What and the mean? monkey's sad too. <laughs> I felt bad for a monkey. Monkey was, I sad. Feel he bad. was yeah. quiet. Backstabbing monkey. Fuck that monkey. I know. Yeah, fuck Bad that guy. Dates. <laughs> he got what he deserved. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. Bad yeah. dates. 
So, what do you? What, what I a mean, weird introduction. That monkey. Let's talk about that monkey for a bit. Indiana Jones is like me too, monkey. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, just you know, the the whole scene where all of a sudden, like you know, they're talking to the spy who's spying on, uh, you know, the local. He's got the monkey on his shoulder and he's doing like say Kyle, say Kyle, whatever. And even the monkey does it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you bastard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. monkeys can be Nazis too. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Man. Uh, what I mean, what do you? What do you guys like about Marion in this movie? She's a badass. Yeah, she's badass. She's fierce. She's like, fiercely independent. It leads me to believe that the story that they crafted for her, what little we got, was that she was kind of an independent uh, from probably a very early age, and she basically, you know, probably revered her father and revered Indiana Jones, and you know, love always burns you in the ass. So <laughs> she decided to kind of like strike out on her own and do her own thing. So. We have this fiercely independent woman that's just now trying to chase her family legacy because obviously that lost Ark kind of killed her father. Mm -hmm. And I think she still needed that closure to end that because, as you could tell in the movie, once she sees Indiana Jones for the first time, man, it's like all that started rushing back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I even still, despite that, despite, you know, having all those memories and those feelings and emotions pop right up once she sees him again she's still fiercely dedicated and fiercely you know wants to finish that story so well mm-hmm. I, I also like the fact that she I, um, my wife and I were having a conversation as we were watching this and I was just talking about how much I have grown to dislike the second film um, not to not to dwell on that but um her response was, well, it's not like Marion hasn't been damseled here. I go, yeah, but if you unto if if Marion's damseled, you untie her, she starts throwing punches. Whereas, you know, the 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 blonde, who I can't remember anything about her other than that she's married to Steven Spielberg. Um in the second movie, all she does is scream. The the it's just Indy, save me. Ah, Indy, save me. And well, like, admittedly, she that's was, not Mary she was living a life like. of luxury at one point, And then all of a sudden she's off in India, like trying to keep her heart from being ripped out of her chest. How about that for a day? I mean, you know, fair. I mean, fair. I'm yeah. not, not sitting. I'm not sitting. I'm not sitting here saying she's in the easiest situation all the time. Right. Um, yeah. I just think I, I just think that the, the real difference is, you know, Marion will complain that she's tied up, but if you untie her, she, she'll get a knife. Yep, and and, and, and go after and and go after what needs to be defended. So I mean, she she literally does take a knife at one point. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Marion's cool. I like Marion rules. Yeah, Marion rules. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so opposite. Indiana Jones and Marion. We have Renee Belloc played uh, played by Paul Freeman. Uh, he's a he's a kind of like the bad guy archaeologist that's working with the Nazis to get this get the Ark as well. He's mm-hmm. really kind of a a douche. Yes, yeah, he's a tool. Yeah, yeah. He so a couple weeks ago at this point we. I, we did Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters, and mm-hmm. I fi- finally watched that film. By the way, Matt, so you can mark that off. Nice, that, that long list. <laughs> I'll find my list. Uh, God. Uh, 
and he really that villain in in Ghostbusters the the not the main villain but like the the government guy from Ghostbusters Peck. like Pecker who's this Peck? this is it just feels <laughs> like Pecker. there's like an 80s villain like archetype and they're like mm-hmm. you must play the 80s style villain this way very like straight and not like no kind of like wavering at all the only point where he ever wavers is when he's drinking with Marion, right? Like that's really the mm-hmm. only point where he changes tone in this entire movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that that that's another long, interesting conversation that we can have is how villains have changed in cinema or in any form of medium over time. Whereas, like now, when you watch a movie, you tend to sympathize with villains. Now, you tend to they tend to have these like human emotional qualities that you're just like. I kind of feel for the guy. Like I'm, I think I'm kind of partially rooting for him. Whereas back in the '80s, it was like villains were villains. They had no redeeming qualities. They had no likable characteristics. They were just big raging douches. That yeah, yeah. Like with the exception of that scene where he's drinking and he's a little bit loose, you kind of see how he's kind of being used by the Nazis mm-hmm. for like a one little glimmer of a scene. But yeah, the rest of the time, this guy's like a you know traps Indy in a snake pit and gets yeah. his face melted off at the end it's like good room. i mean even at the beginning when he escapes the cave he like sends the the natives after him with the the blow darts yeah yeah mm-hmm. so yeah he's he's kind of a not not great uh, i mean i to to dovetail on story's point uh i don't i the, i don't think that started i think that there's actually a long tradition of like I mean, the sympathetic villain or holding sympathy from the villain comes from the comes from the tradition of antiheroes, mm-hmm. and I just I just think that over over time, um, and it didn't really happen with a lot of the big blockbusters of the '80s. I think if you think if, if we were to pull out some more important ones, more important films of the '80s, you could probably get the. You, I mean, you get your Michael Douglas and Wall Street, where. Ultimately, he is just a douchebag, but for some reason, you are completely entranced by his douchebaggery. Same with Darth Vader. Um, they're just there's a certain charisma uh, that the right performance and the right script can call for. Now, a lot of the bigger '80s action films didn't really do that. You didn't get nuance on the other side of the Terminator. You didn't get. Uh, a whole lot of nuance out of the shark and Jaws. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I know that was a 70s movie, but like the <laughs> sequels, most of them came out in the 80s and they're not great. Um, but you, you mean you didn't like Jaws like... 3D? Like I said, uh, you didn't really get that. You you get that, that sympathy, that charisma out of Gene Hackman in the Superman movies. Um, uh, which a couple of them came out in the 80s. But uh, but I do I do agree. You know, I think Belloc is a shitbag. I'm gonna say it. Um, we could also we could also talk about the the colonialist ten- tendencies that are all over this. You know, the white folks going into brown people's homes and just sort of tearing it apart because I mean history. they they literally um, are Nazis. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean they. they I, mean, I mean, they. There is one point at the like towards the end where uh, Indiana Jones threatens to blow up the arc with that rocket launcher. And the one general guy, well, no, maybe it was right before no, where they're, they're on the ship, where they're, where they're on the ship, where they're still on the 
the ship and he like uh, uh Belloc is convincing him that he wants to open it in a remote place because he doesn't want them to open it in front of you know Hitler and and Berlin yeah yeah like to say oh well what if you, what if there's nothing really in here what if this isn't the real ark or whatever and even then like the german guy is like well he makes some off comment about uh jews in that on the on the boat and it's a weird jewish tradition or whatever and mm-hmm. uh i was like man this these really are like just terrible people yeah, well yeah, yeah i mean at, at the boat where uh that German general uh, kidnaps Marion and he mm-hmm. calls the guy a savage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, we will take what we wish and decide whether or not to blow your ship from the water. Yeah. It's like, that's that's how they were, man. That's how it was. And they was portrayed accurately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They were they were they were shit heels. Yeah. Still yep. are. Um, but uh, yeah. It's... Yeah. This movie's really good. I know it's Belloc, so Belloc is like a victim of his own selfishness. If you were to try to analyze his motivations, he's just he's just a very selfish archaeologist, yes. kind of like an anti-Indiana Jones. Whereas mm-hmm. anti-Indiana, like Indiana Jones, is like it belongs in a museum. It belongs to be. It deserves to be seen and be shared with the public. Whereas Belloc is like selfish by nature. He wants fame. He wants fortune, and that's what he does. That's what motivates him. You know, and obviously selling his soul to the Nazis. Even though he knows the Nazis are shitbags, mm-hmm. it's like yes. I'm only here for my own selfish reasons, yeah. and they are they are the means to my end. Right. So right. it's like uh, that that shouldn't paint a likable picture. I mean, he's still he's still a shit eater, but right. you know, still like he. Well, let's talk about the differences between Indiana Jones and Renee Belloc because they're guess what. There they're aren't the same any. person. They're the same person. <laughs> yep. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Indiana Jones is sent by the government to discover this thing of knowledge. And it's all taken away from him. Mm-hmm. Not to spoil the end if you've not seen this 41-year-old movie. Yep. Yeah. Why are you listening it's to the show? It's all taken by the way. away. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. being looked at by top men. Top. Yep. Men. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right because they, you know, they have they have similar motivations, but mm-hmm. I think the, you know, the whole ends justifies the means arguments. Um, that's where they differ a little bit. But sure. I th- well, I think ultimately, like their their ends are different because yeah. Belloc wants his own glory, and I think Indiana Jones, you could say he is he's he presents as more the altruistic. This is for history sort of thing. Well, and even at the beginning, like Indiana Jones wasn't even convinced this was a worthwhile adventure. Like yeah. he was like, you know, meeting with the OSS agents and he's just like not even interested in this. He's like, I don't know. This is some sort of Ark of the Covenant. And like uh-huh. they're looking at what, what's that picture mean? And he's like, I don't know. Staff of Ra or some shit, whatever. <laughs> you know, like he's like not even convinced this is even a worthwhile endeavor. Dude, my mentor but, told me all this while he was drunk. Like, I yeah. <laughs> he's like, I, I don't know, man, whatever. Sure. You're paying but, me money, you know? Like yeah. even like the, in the conversation that he had with Janus. Marcus. But, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, even when he was having that conversation with Marcus, you know, like which mm-hmm. we will talk about later, Marcus is like, "How can you not be convinced this is real?" And Indiana Jones is like, "I, I don't believe in that superstitious mumbo jumbo." Like he's not convinced yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is hilarious because if you think about it, like he, at this point, he'd already witnessed everything in Temple of Doom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you just like block it out of his brain? You've already seen someone get their heart pulled out. <laughs> well, writing continuity, I imagine. Like I said, I don't think they planned on Temple of Doom when they were filming in the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So yeah, that's fair. Yeah, writing continuity. Yeah. Woo. And uh, in the modern, and in and in, in, in the modern intellectual focus, we could say the trauma of Temple of Doom probably caused a mental block in Indiana Jones, so he just forgot about all of it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Not to denigrate anybody's trauma, because I'm not trying to do that. <clears throat> and maybe what he was seeing wasn't actually really real. It was anyway. Woo, deep. You call him Doctor <laughs> Jones, doll. Um. <laughs> uh, Marcus Brody, uh, played by uh, Denholm Elliott. He uh, he doesn't really play a big role in this movie, but this, yeah, this is not the this is not the film to talk about Denholm Elliott. <laughs> yeah, but. I just honestly, yeah, he plays a more bigger role in Last Crusade, but yeah, he's like the sidekick that I mean, it shouldn't be a sidekick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just, uh, you know, he's. I mean, I'll, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: they, they got the, the the Uncharted games did something right in creating Sully instead of using a Denholm Elliott like because yeah. yeah. Um, but I will say this: Denholm Elliott is a is a, or was a wonderful actor. I believe he passed away in the mid to late nineties. Um, but you, if you've seen the movie uh, Trading Places, he is Coleman, the butler. Mm. Uh, if you've seen the oft forgotten Sting film called Brimstone and Treacle, uh, my. <laughs> I'll, I'll do I'll do another plug for Trivial Merit. We covered this movie. It's trip. Mm-hmm. It's 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 weird and kind of great. We had a wonderful guest named Maddie Lewis, who is a wonderful writer. Uh, she brought that film to us, and I have have been kind of changed because of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Daniel Elliott was a wonderful actor, and I uh, don't just don't just look at him as Marcus Brody. I do though, because yeah. all I can hear is is Sean Connery, mawkish. <laughs> well, let's admit that he was he was a, he was made to be a little bit more of a bumbling idiot yeah. in Last Crusade than he was in Raiders. In Raiders, he was a little bit more put together, a little bit more kind of intelligent, and a little bit more you know kind of yeah, but uh, for, for the little role that he played. But yeah, in Last Crusade, he kind of played as more like a like a bumbling doofus. Yeah, which I. I'll have more to say about Marcus in, in the last Crusade episode. Oh, yeah, um, yeah think, he played a bigger role then. He's yeah. also in A Room with a View, as a which is a very weird movie now. But uh, but yeah, he's a he's actually pretty good in that movie too. <sighs> John Reese Davies. By the way, sorry, I didn't mean to. Sala. Yeah, plays Sala. Sala rules. Sala rules. Yep. He's yep. he's Indiana Jones sidekick in this movie pretty much, and he just. Whatever Indiana Jones asks, he does right, mm-hmm. and then do the whole scene at the end at the end of like his kind of main arc in the movie where uh, uh, Marion kisses him, and he just mm-hmm. gets this big grin on his face and starts singing. Yep. It's, it's the best. Yes, a British man is a soaring soul, <laughs> as free as a mountain bird. <laughs> You're going to get a suit, Stoy. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be at least 12 seconds. I don't want to get, I don't want to get, I don't want to get uh, DC'd or C&D'd or whatever they call that. So, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want you yet. Yeah. So I'm going to stop there. 15 seconds. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Jonathan Rhys Davies uh, is a is a wonderful actor with a very long career, and I always forget who he is. Like in every movie, uh, except for Sala. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you said, Corey, the 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 final scene is just. It's pure joy with him. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. this this one's for your wife, this one's for your daughter, and this one is for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like so cool. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's definitely great. And like even when the monkey dies and he grabs the date out of mm-hmm. the air, he's like bad dates. That's yeah. that line is so good too. Oh man, he's mm-hmm. just so good in this movie. Uh, he went to a different song afterwards. It was like, I am a monarch of the sea. I am a ruler of the coop. And then he stopped. And it's like, why'd you stop? And then all of a sudden, yeah, he did the date thing. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. He's a singer. Solid, you know, he, he was such a good, like, uh, you know, they really downplayed what he did behind the scenes for Indy all the time. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, he wouldn't have survived nearly half half of his trip to Egypt. Mm-hmm. If it yeah, wasn't for it, him and kind of like all the logistics that he set up, it, even him like kind of like getting through the camp to the dig site that he was supposed to go to, you know, and even arranging for transport away, you know, with the package. Like, it's mm-hmm. just he did so yeah. much and it's like they really downplayed it or they didn't really say much at all. Yeah. Yeah. If if Indiana Jones were not an archaeologist, but a hitman, Sala is his man on the ground that fixes everything for him. He's like, make yeah. sure the cleaner. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Alfred Molina makes an appearance in this movie as Satipo, I think is how you say that name. And he's basically mm-hmm. the five minute sidekick. He's at the there beginning. to die. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, he's basically there to die. But it was a good death. Adios, oh, yeah. señor. <laughs> the open. I mean, that whole opening scene is very just iconic, right? The ball, like he grabs the idol and the ball rolling, is one of the most iconic cinema scenes in history. And then he, mm-hmm. like, when he escapes, he's he uh, he sees Alfred Molina's face just like gutted, <laughs> impaled. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, man, uh, Ronald Lacey plays Major Arnold Tote, uh, which is the guy with the gla- the Nazi with the glasses and gets his face melted. The iconic face melting scene at the end. That's a funny thing because I don't think his name is ever mentioned in the movie at all. It's not. Like, I had to look it up. It's it's yeah. I had to look it up too because like to this day I've watched this movie thousands of times. I still don't know his movie his name until like I look it up and I'm like oh yeah it's Arnold I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what a weird dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. Weird dude. Yeah. I feel I feel like this is I feel, there's probably some there's probably someone out there who has nerded out on Indiana Jones and Wolfenstein enough to connect these two franchises and I feel like that villain is the origin for like Castle Wolfenstein and, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. those Nazis um but yeah like yeah he's just what like a, what a performance yeah yeah honestly just creepy on a whole nother level mm-hmm. like even that opening scene of him walking in the marion's bar and she's like you want a drink and he's like we 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 are not thirsty <laughs> it's like what yeah. the hell is this dude? yeah also he's kind of an idiot though because like first of all oh, yeah first of all he does the home alone thing where he grabs the hot amulet and then he doesn't let mm-hmm. go first of all if it's that mm-hmm. hot just let it go just yeah. let go you know you're gonna feel how hot it is before you you know and then well... like 
And then he just screams, and then he runs out of the building, and then there's like the whole five second scene where he's like dancing in the snow and like trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to, you know, stick your hand Put in his the hand snow. Down. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Put your hand in the snow, dude. Like, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting how that scene like played into later in the movie, how like mm-hmm. how that actually had an impact, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because when you find out like the the burn on his hand actually gave a lot of detail to what the medallion said mm-hmm. so anyway yeah i mean i get it but like i'm an idiot no it was he, yeah he's kind of an idiot yeah 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 he's, i mean he's a he's a he's a he's a complete picture of most of the nazis reign throughout world war ii completely overconfident mm-hmm. yeah yep and then uh his face melting scene is obviously iconic you ever see the can- oh, yeah. you ever see the candles that they sell of this guy's face and you light it and it just melts like as the wax melts it just reveals the skull underneath oh man i didn't see that i, I that. didn't know that but that's kind of dope that. yeah i do yeah. not want that in my house ever but yeah <laughs> like, no you can watch a you can, you can watch a time lapse youtube video of it it's fun it's fun i don't ever want it in my house yeah it's like i don't know something about having a nazi's head on my shelf seems kind of you know, weird. Yeah, I feel like I feel like my my wife, who is of the Jewish faith, might might have a few objections. Mm-hmm. Same. Maybe maybe more. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Uh, all right. Well, those are kind of like the main characters in this movie. Did we miss anybody besides like kind of like the government official guys or anything? Like, I don't know. I I think we kind of. I don't think so. I mean. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no one really major. Obviously, there were like obviously actors that popped in and popped in and popped yeah. out and stuff. And yeah, the, so. the black ship captain was cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't talk about him yeah. at all, but that that scene yeah. was cool. A uh, couple of Easter eggs before we move on to kind of our favorite moments. Uh, I'm watching the time lapse video right now. It's on IGN. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not as uh, it's not it's not what you think, but yeah. Eh. They tried. So cool. A for effort. Yeah, they, A for effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actual burn time of eight hours. Yeah. Wow. Eight anyway. hours to melt a Nazi's face, everybody. Yep. There you go. Not fast enough. <laughs> Not fast enough. Especially that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, especially that guy. <laughs> uh, there's a few Star Wars Easter eggs in this movie. Uh, yes. They're in the hieroglyphs when they're lifting the Ark out of the out for the first time. Uh, you can see hieroglyphs of Leia and R2-D2 in the hieroglyphs. Uh, another hieroglyph is seen in the Well of Souls appear, uh, appears to depict Leia uploading the Death Star plans to R2-D2. Uh, additionally, the plane Indy escapes on early in the film has the letters that read O-B-C-P-O. Clearly, it's another nod to C-3PO with Obi-Wan thrown in for good measure. Which there's actually a, a Easter egg in temple of doom as well in obi-wan club obi-wan at the beginning yeah so that's cool uh so we didn't there there's a couple of moments we didn't really touch on uh but what what are our favorite moments that we didn't really touch on yet i mean i think the opening we didn't really touch on the opening at all really which is it's kind of hard because so much of this movie just seeped into popular culture yeah Honestly, there. I mean, <clears throat> there's good moments everywhere in this movie, so it's a matter mm-hmm. of like, 
you know, what do you want to spend most the most time on? Um, me personally, the best scene of the whole movie was the whole truck chase scene. Like, yeah, that yeah. that whole sequence. It was like 20 minutes long. It felt like was just probably one of the most iconic action sequences I think in modern movie history. Like it's just mm-hmm. I, I, there was no CGI, there was no special effects at the time. Especially it was all Harrison Ford stunt doubles, all these people, and just yeah, it's just it done so well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the music, John Williams. Let's give a shout out to that man, yeah. making some of the most iconic themes in movie history. Yeah, and just you know, obviously besides the Indiana Jones theme music, the march. But just that whole music sequence was just start to finish, just one big score. And it's just, man, it puts you in that seat. And it's like a whole you're on the edge of your seat the whole time during that whole sequence. Him like climbing through the truck, getting almost getting knocked down, crawling underneath the truck as it's still moving, crawling back up. Man, dude, so good. It's so So good. good. I know, man. So good. They would they, they do that shit with special effects now. That's the problem. It's like. You know, you do that with special effects now where it's like weird camera trickery to show like, oh, it's not it's not a real person. It's CGI or like, you know, they'll make someone do this like ridiculous backflip jump on back onto the truck where it's like, no, this was real at the time. Like, this is what they had. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's they're they're good. They're they're positive and negative to it. But like. I feel like we have we have to remember that stunt doubles are people and they do get injured. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> how many definite- takes do you want to drag someone on a gravel road before? <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you saw actually in the sequence where I, I assume it's Harrison Ford's stunt double where he's crawling underneath the truck. There's actually a, a channel dug in to the ground. Yeah, no, yeah. You, where yeah, he's I mean, it, it's not like he's like being whipped around like sure. when he's like dangling off the side, but like you know. There, there were there were definitely safety measures put in place to protect the guys yes, to make a really and, good scene and props to those guys don't know your names but you guys are the real MVPs I mean yeah the, you, I think there I think there's there are ways to do CGI well and there are ways to do it poorly just like there were way, there are ways to do these type of this type of action choreography safely and mm-hmm. the type of Action choreography that causes people to get hurt. Most notably recently, Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. shooting somebody. Or I think on the 80s movie of The Twilight Zone, someone died because of a helicopter crash in that. So mm-hmm. I, I think that there is, you know, we could, we could, we could poo poo CGI all we want. But we also have to remember that if, if it's not CGI, you have to, you have to get people to do it. And that becomes, there, it becomes a lot more difficult, a lot, a, a lot more chances for thing, bad things to happen occur. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but m- my favorite scene, apart from what is really sunk into the, the culture, is still the bare knuckle boxer. Oh yeah. Like for for the longest time, and I don't know why, I still want this to just be my head cannon. I always thought that was the Iron Sheet from the eighties WWF. <laughs> You're talking about that that where they're fighting underneath the airplane, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I always. I don't know why I always thought that was the Iron Sheet. It was probably something my dad said to me, and I just believed him because I was a kid. Sure. Um. But I actually I love that scene very well because it, it's. It's almost like Spielberg put the scene on a timer. It's like we can only last this long. 
and it's executed it's executed very well all of the tension is dealt with uh very subtly very adeptly and uh and then the the climax and how the bare knuckle boxer gets defeated by a helicopter that eventually explodes mm-hmm. or no by a by an airplane propeller that eventually explodes uh it's I, a perfect mini boss yeah exactly it's, 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 like, it's like that's that's how you get past the mini boss yeah <laughs> through through strategy not through brawn <laughs> every 80s movie had every 80s movies those action movies had those like really cool like kind of mini bosses that just popped out of nowhere like who is this mm-hmm. oh this okay this is a big dude okay all right let's see how this plays out <laughs> yeah yeah that that guy that would be uh that the the guy that was in die hard that survived being hung and shows up later to almost shoot everybody. Yeah, yeah I know Bagel. That guy's weird. <clears throat> yeah, uh, dude. I think that I think that Matt, what you were talking about just now—the bare knuckle boxer fight and that whole airplane scene, even the even what happens afterwards, right, where he has to like save Marion because the cockpit is locked, and then he grabs her, and then that whole trail of because somebody pokes mm-hmm. a hole in that gas truck that's over mm-hmm. parked off to the side. Very conveniently next to a, something that's on fire already. Hey, let's not discount <laughs> the fact that Marion went on the went on the automated the turret on the damn aircraft and started lighting the whole parking lot up. Yeah, yeah. And she was lighting See? dudes up again. Like crazy man, badass. Who would badass? You, I know exactly. You, you free Marion. She's on your side. Yeah, yeah. Any she knocks them. She knocks his, the pilot out with these wheel chocks. And then all of a sudden, man's the gun and starts. Come on, yeah, it's so good. You free uh, Marion; it doesn't just become an escort mission. No, right. exactly. Yeah, uh, and then the the it other scene become the president's daughter in Resident Evil Four. Go hide in a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carry my ammo. God. The 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 scene where he is he jumps off the boat and goes onto the uh, the nazi submarine and yeah. he, he kind of sneaks in and just like the little things in that scene really i really like too where he kind of gives belloc the shoulder when he walks by mm-hmm. uh and he takes out two nazis to steal their clothes and the the scene where he's sitting on the floor trying to put the jacket on and it's too small mm-hmm. yeah i forgot about that scene and for some reason I laughed so hard at that scene when he couldn't oh, yeah. get it on. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not even that funny. I just, I looked up it's and he was funny trying... enough though. Yeah. 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 Well, because like, yeah, it's that common trope of just like, Hey, we need to sneak into this. So let's, let's go knock these guards out. And the guards are always like the size is perfectly fit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it was one of the, it was kind of the scene that made fun of that whole trope of just like, sometimes you're going to knock out a guard and their clothes aren't going to fit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I mean it worked out for him in the end I mean, because he found another guy. Whenever I play Hitman, all the outfits fit. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know, man. I really enjoyed watching this movie this time around, and I I don't know if it's because I'm older and I just appreciate it more, or if I just paid attention really for the first time in like 20 years. But it it did a lot for me. I really enjoyed it the we're gonna talk about our kind of our least favorite moments and like i the only moment i can pick out for this is the last scene 
not that not that like watching Nazis faces melt is not fun or anything, but like that was the only point in the movie where I was like, man, this all feels just really fake. Right. The green, like, mm-hmm. and, and I know it was a product of the eighties and they were really experimenting sure. with green screen at the time or blue screen or whatever, mm-hmm. but stop it, motion. Yeah. It just all felt like it did not fit with the rest of the movie. And I kind of, I almost wish they would have watched it after it was edited and went back. And, and I know this was, would have been like impossible to do at the time, but like went back and be like, this didn't work. Can we reshoot this ending somehow and rewrite it or something? Uh, it just, I don't know. The whole thing just didn't really do it for I me. I tried to understand what that scene signified because it, I, I imagine it was like, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, at least in, you know, the, the story goes is that they carried that through the desert while mm-hmm. they were running away from, you know, Ramses. And mm-hmm. um, I, I imagined those were the souls of the the Jews that were kind of like, wandering through the desert with Moses. Mm-hmm. So I imagine that's what the Ark of the Covenant signified was that this stored all the dead souls of all those people, you know, the the however many people that the, in the mass exodus. So uh, th- th- that's how that made sense to me in my mind because I remember as a kid like watching this and I was like that was a scene breaker for me too because I was like what the hell is this, you know? Mm-hmm. And like kind of when I started to really kind of do a deep dive into See, Indiana Jones made me want to be an archaeologist, so I became a big student of history and ancient history and stuff like that. So I studied a lot of that stuff, and that was the only link I could come up with. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not. It's, it's it, it doesn't seem like a too far of a stretch, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I I and just. I think it's not that the I had a problem with the end of the the movie itself. I just the effects just just don't hold up. I think is it definitely my, was a product of its time. Yeah, mm-hmm. watching yeah. watching Belloc's face just kind of explode just really looked like they just shot a chicken with a big bomb and it just you know just exploded yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's kind of shot in slow motion, so you kind of just see his body still there, but his hands and his face explode. But his mm-hmm. body is yeah. still there. So it's yeah. like. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was like a weird like fireball that just slowly came up out of the box and then just like sat on his face for a bit and then just bam. Yeah, like, it was kind of weird. Yeah, definitely product of its time, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, that, I, those are those moments where special effects and CGI would definitely improve the scene. Yeah. Sure. Well, and then you look, you, you fast forward to like 1984 when the first Ghostbusters movie comes out, comes out and like those ghost effects are not much better. Like they're, they're definitely better. A lot more clearer. Yeah. I mean, a little bit more detailed because let's admit a lot of those, like those are some low res ghost effects. Oh, 100%. <laughs> in 1981. 100%. Like yeah. you could barely tech make out any detail. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's the same. It's the same th- uh, uh, tech that they use for Empire Strikes Back, though, right? Where in those original cuts, you can see through the the snow speeders and see the mm-hmm. effects behind, like through the the cockpit of the snow speeder, and yeah, uh, it's just what they had to work with. Mm-hmm. So. I but, mean, it's genius. It was like ingenuity at its finest. It's like. Yeah. You know, you imagine a scene. This is what I want, and then you got a t- a table of people sitting there 
racking their heads thinking, how are we going to make this happen? How do we invent yeah. stuff? To yeah. do Whereas this? nowadays it's like, it's super easy because it's like, <clears throat> oh yeah, just like have everybody sit around in a big white room and then we'll do the effects later. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing else about this movie. I like really genuinely dislike really at all. Yeah. This movie my only cool. one, my only thing that I didn't like, and it was like, it was like a continuity thing. is like, how did Indiana Jones jump off that boat, right? Swim to his to a U-boat, and that U-boat goes to an uncharted island and whatever. Like, how did he get in the submarine? How did he get in the U-boat? Did he just, like, kind of, like, hang on? Because that U-boat goes underwater, you know? And, like, you can't, you can't open a hatch from the, uh, from the outside, I don't think. How did my man get in there? <laughs> hatch that must have been sunk- open. I guess I don't know. I, see, that never sunk well with me because I'm thinking like this man. Like, I mean, that U-boat travels for miles. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it traveled. Up, maybe it just traveled above water the whole time. Maybe it did. Uh, that's the only other thing I could think of. Yeah, so, that's, like, my- that's the only other thing. But like, also, you would think that the people in control of said U-boat would be like, hmm, maybe if we're in a U-boat above water, people will be looking for us. I mean, so it's the should... Nazis. But see, here's the thing. Here's like the thing. Said, this is... They were hugely overconfident. So yes, I don't know. This is this is this is where like this is where I I get mad at all those people who are talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and they get mad about the refrigerator. <laughs> oh and, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm like, no, you don't get I to left. get mad because you ate this stuff up. Like yeah. all of a sudden, Indiana Jones can just breathe underwater forever because of, because he's on a U boat. Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not how that works. That's not how that works. <laughs> I love that refrigerator scene. I don't know. Me too. Like, I'm like, this. I is, laugh. This is... I'm in the theater. I'm laughing. I was like, ha. Because like, never happened, but still. Ultimately, the answer is it's all fake anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Like I said, if that's, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. Everything in the movie was great. That scene, I know, always stuck out with me because I'm, I'm thinking, I'm watching it the hundreds of times I have. Like, how's, how's, he, like, how's he get into the U-boat? You see him looking around, like, looking for an opening. Like, where, how, how do I get into this thing? You know, and you got a whole ship of people, like, cheering him on. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and he's, like, looking around, like, how do I get into this thing? Yeah. Uh, also, I'm concerned about Marion's liver because she drinks a lot in this movie, and then she ends the movie by asking... Indy if he she can buy him a drink which that's a power move that is a power move on her part because in the 40s in the 40s a woman to come up to a man like that and say can I buy you a drink that is a power move and that's why Marion's the best oh god I didn't say it wasn't a power move I said I'm concerned for her liver I'm saying it's a power move look man good Mary Marion lost her father to this adventure that she and her would-be boyfriend were just on and they almost died she's earned that drink Hell yeah, she's yeah. also probably drinking off like the being burnt by the love of indiana jones like maybe that, like, I don't, how long so has what it been? now she's suffering from stockholm syndrome now because like <laughs> real thing i'm just kidding wait i don't get where you 
yeah, bring up know. Stockholm syndrome. Like she's she she obviously you know was, had a problem with her father's well, death, so she so she hijacked it to Nepal, started a bar, just trying to pick her life back up, and then she could just drink when she wants, and then someone comes in, gets all gets all misogynistic about it. She's like, "I'll drink you under the table," and she does, and she does, yeah, hmm. yeah. Well. Is there anything else we need to touch on about this movie before we kind of wrap up this episode? Normally, this is where we would start ranking the movies, but since this is the first one, can't really rank. So, did you know Raiders of the Lost Ark number one? It's true. No, it's number one yeah, right now. I'm holding. Right forgot, now. This is an audio podcast. Number I'm, one I'm with number a one. bullet. Number one right now. Yeah, it's also first a video. You can also watch the video. Oh, this is a video too. Okay, cool. All right. All Fine. of our podcasts are video, Stoy. Did you know that? What's a video? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> moving, it's a moving picture. Uh, okay, what were you saying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, no, no, no you, you, you were saying, did you know something about Indiana Jones and you were supposed to, you were going to drop this like huge nugget of knowledge on us? Yeah. That was maybe a nugget, but that wasn't knowledge. Mm. Different type of nugget. Hmm. Okay. Okay. You had you you had the setup like really well. I know. I was waiting for you to drop some knowledge, and you you just sitting there in your orange Wu Tang shirt or sweatshirt, bringing the ruckus. Life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough. Um. No. Uh. I was gonna. You know what? You're right. I I forgot what I was gonna say because my wife came in and. She distracts me because I think she's beautiful. Um, well, yeah, that's true. Yep, fair. No, fair. We're gross and we love it. Okay. Um, she's still standing there, isn't she? No, she's not. Okay. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> no she's not. Oh man. Well, I guess that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode of Standard Definition. Uh, Stoy, Matt, I appreciate your time tonight. This is fun. I'm looking forward to Temple of Doom the next time we do this. Uh, very, very, very fun. You can find Standard Definition on your podcasters of choice and on our YouTube channel. You can also get it two weeks early on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Bosch Rush Network for just a dollar. Matt. One dollar! Thank you for doing Indiana Jones with us. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at infinite underscore rewind everywhere I want to be. That's Twitter, that's Instagram, that's uh, if you play video games, that is PlayStation and Steam. Uh, I have an Xbox tag now because I'm on Game Pass, but I always forget what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I also host three podcasts myself. One called Story Rise Zero about video games. One called Trivial Merit, where we make eight-song playlists to make you feel better. And one where a buddy of mine and I nerd out about film called free reeling it free reeling it mm-hmm. Stoy, where can we find you uh i am part of the exp cast we're a video game podcast part of the boss rush network you can follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at exp cast and my personal uh self you can follow me on twitter and instagram at Stoy m-k-e-h interesting i should follow you are you down with the exp yeah, you know me. Mm, EXP ain't <laughs> nothing to 
On that note, you can find Corey, me. Corey, where am... can we find you? <laughs> Corey, where can we find you? I am at Corey and HD. I you can follow me at I am Corey. Gosh, you guys just really messed me up. You can follow me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast on Wednesday nights live here on twitch.tv slash Boss Rush Network or on podcast services on Mondays. You can also find me hosting Arsenal X, the Xbox podcast with Stoy. And you can find me on After Dark. You can find me here on Tinder Def. You can find me a lot of places here on bossrush.net. I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening. And until next time, we love you. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye now.